Braunfels, and welcome to the Best to Worst podcast, where we look at the best of New Braunfels and the worst. In today's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different here. We're always kind of going back and forth, looking at the best and the worst. So Nicole and I today decided to kind of, we're going to talk about what would make New Braunfels better, better and kind of just talking about different things around the city that could potentially happen that would make it a better place to live in. Right, Nicole? Yeah. So um, so that's what we're going to do in the show today. It's all kind of opinionated. Nothing of this has ever happened here at all, um, but we want it to happen here. But it has happened. A lot of the stuff we're going to talk about has happened in other cities across the country, across the state of Texas, um, and so forth. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So I'll go ahead and kick us off, Nicole. And I want to talk to you a little bit about Parks and Rec and our lack of connectivity and trails in New Braunfels. So everyone will say, well, there's not a whole lot of place to put trails and it's going to be very expensive and it's just going to be this huge money pit. Well, first of all, it doesn't have to be that expensive and we can do it very basic. So there's always that. But I want to talk about what we could do uh in regards to what I like to call rails to trails, and there's an organization that does this, and let me tell you what it is. So what they do is they partner with cities and they basically help individuals and cities make decisions to put trails alongside the railroad tracks in town. So some people are saying, well, that's kind of crazy. That's unsafe. Well, no, it doesn't have to be. Uh, what they a lot of the cities will do is they'll put up a barrier fence or a wall that basically separates the rail, but then you also have that uh, right away, right outside the rail. I think it's 25 feet on each side or so. It's a pretty big area. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where you actually put the trail. So yeah, if I'm looking at a map of New Braunfels, okay, here's where it gets kind of exciting. It's where I get kind of, kind of giddy about it, which is kind of really cool because obviously I live in this area I'm kind of talk about today. But if you were to start something like that right at Orion and the railroad tracks, right, where those new, there's a new, uh, the dwellings, which is that mobile home park that's going in there, um, Mm -hmm. is to start. So you start right over there, right off 1102 and basically Orion. And you go down, the, the trail, if you put a trail there, the trail would have no, it would go underneath 306 because it's already an overpass. Mm Mm-hmm. And you keep on going and you keep on going and you have one artery road, a smaller artery road, green road that you'd have to go across. But then you keep on going and you have an overpass over 337 right there already. And you keep on going <laughs> and you're going basically going south down into going towards New Braunfels, downtown New Braunfels. And then you're coming up to the river. Well, at the river, you can kind of make some little detours, go around that new development that's going in there and basically have those trap, those, that path cross over the Faust Street Bridge and then reconnect over to the railroad tracks again. Mm-hmm. And then once they reconnect with the railroad tracks, there's already a bike path at Comel Avenue that would go right into downtown New Braunfels. Now, this um, rails to trails they that they do this with did they come in and do any kind of um anything to the the trail or do they just leave it as is or what do they do 
it's a it's a mixture if you go onto their website it's actually kind of cool because you can link it to basically where they have done this across the country you can type in your city and your zip code or your state and mm -hmm. you can you can basically differentiate it they do different setups where they've done it where okay there's abandoned railroad tracks and they've they've converted those abandoned railroad tracks into trails and they've done mm -hmm. it side by side where there's already existing railroad tracks and you add a trail to that oh okay so there's yeah there's different things you can do you can add vegetation to it there's a lot of things you can do obviously the big um, hurdle here is going to be working with union pacific to basically partner with them to say hey how can we make this happen where we're actually going to put in a path that's going to be right next to your rails as well right so, so you'd probably have to get some kind of approval from them on the, I sh i'm sure but if if they're doing it other places, I don't see why they wouldn't do it here. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you guys ever want to check it out, the uh, the website that I kind of got hooked on to kind of look at some of these places is railstotrails.org. Um, and like I said, that whole organization is just about that, basically supporting trails along railroads, uh, existing and uh, abandoned railroads systems. So, And that's they, really cool because, um, you know, the city is always talking about uh, having their, you know, walking paths and... Mm -hmm their you know their different things um their bike paths and things like that so i think yeah. that would kind of fit into their their little thing that they're talking about so yeah. you would think that they would like this yeah and you, i mean if i were to get out from my house and i live kind of right off of that orion area there i mean it would be like a i mean i could probably bike downtown in 20 30 minutes because it'd be yeah. a straight shot which would be awesome and go down there have dinner and then right back and whatever it may be so uh, I think that would be a great kind of win for the city if they were to do something of that nature and just use that existing land that's already there. There's no major roads to cross. I mean, yes, it's going to be an initial investment for sure to build the path, but I think it's going to be a whole lot cheaper than trying to put what put sidewalks and all these other things alongside existing roads. And you know what I've heard a lot of people um, ask about too is we don't have any... Um, Things that people can when they're walking at parks, um, which a lot of places do have, a lot of cities do have, have things where they can work out, like do mm -hmm. um, pull, pull up bars or, you know, um, what are they called? Um, just little things, you know, like four yeah. or five little yeah. little workout stations mm -hmm. at places where they can work out and do. And, and I think that the city would benefit from those type things. Right. Um, they can't be destroyed. Uh, they can't, you know, they're not, they're not too terribly expensive, but they could put those along there too. And I think that would be a, a beneficial. Right. No, absolutely. Like, I mean, if I just look in my neighborhood here, there's probably nine different communities that would be able to connect to it easily. And you're just going right down the railroad tracks. I mean, there is communities all over the place that could easily, their HOAs could easily connect into that and have their have their residents uh, connect to that path and make it accessible to them and make it a benefit for the whole community. Right. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. So so that's my that's my big idea, kind of a, a parks and rec slash uh, connectivity idea um, to hopefully make this a best of New Braunfels city. So always something to make it better, right? Yeah, absolutely. Nicole, what do you have? What do you have going on here? Um, you know, something that I would really like to see is, um, and other cities do this. My son did it when he was in high school, um, and it was a great program. My husband was a firefighter. My son is now a firefighter. Um, is a junior fire explorer cadet program, and they did it through the school system and the fire department. And it was for 
through the high school age. Um, it's for kids who want to see if they want a career in the fire service and um, the, the EMS program, if they want to be a paramedic, they want to be a, an EMT, they want to be a firefighter. They have no idea how to get started in this program. They don't know the first thing about it, but there, some of these kids are in the work program in high school. It works through the school calendar. They have to um, apply. They have to, so they learn a lot of skills, right? They learn mm -hmm. about applying for this. They learn about filling out the application. They still get credit in the work program at school. They still have to maintain grades. Um, they have to you know, go and uh, go through a fire academy if they get accepted into the program. They have to uh, wear a uniform. They have to, um, once they learn it, uh, and pass the little fire academy that's put on by the fire department. And um, it does take purchase with the fire um, personnel because they have to be willing to be a mentor and take on a student, you know, during mm, the right. semester. And they have to they have to come so many times during the semester. And they also have to, if there's a conflict with their sports or if there's a conflict with, you know, being sick or just like if you're an adult, you have to call and say, I, you know, this is what's come up. I can't be mm -hmm. here or whatever, but you still have to come so many times, you know, to be able to pass the the program and everything. But they learn, they go on actual calls. And um, not only do they learn about how to, you know, go on medical calls and how to deal with the public and they see how people live and they try to, to put them as close to a fire station in the area that they live in, you know, so that um, the that they're by their house and that the demographics are of their neighborhood and they're around people, you know, that they are comfortable being around and things like that. But they go to the fire station. They wouldn't stay there overnight, but they would go during, you know, for a, an eight hour span or, you know, they'd eat dinner with them. The firefighters let them cook, you know, on their shift. Mm -hmm. They, they are fully immersed in, you know, exactly what the life of being a firefighter would be. And they go on the medical calls, they see what the hospital's like, they see, you know, everything. So they know if this is exactly what they want to do. And they learn how to do interviews, they learn how to, you know, all about medicine, they learn about how to put fires out, they learn about getting on the fire engine, they clean the fire engine, they clean the fire trucks, they clean the ambulances, they take stock. I mean, it's a great program. And for maybe some at-risk youth who have no idea what they want to do, or maybe they go, oh, this is something I want to do. And then they get into it and they go, oh no, this is not what I want to do. You right. know, So I think that's a great program um, for, they, they get to go to city events and they learn public education demonstrations. Uh, it's, it's great for uh, public speaking. It really gives them confidence. Uh, it teaches them a lot about having your uniform neat, you know, having, you know, how to take care of yourself and really, uh, it's really maturing for some kids in high school. And they really either like it or they hate it or they're mm -hmm. somewhere in between, but they definitely learn a lot about themselves. So I really think that's a, it's a great program that the city could do it it's not it doesn't really cost them anything that um other than you know they get a uniform and uh they get uh you know other than them giving their time the fire department right. giving their time and putting together a training little fire training academy for them it doesn't really cost them anything right and what so, a what a better way to kind of get connected with uh with your city i guess you could say in a way um, that is a low cost way to get connected to your city, just to learn those emergency personnel that are in your neighborhood that live in the area um, yes. and just be able to connect that way. That's just, I think that's a great, uh, great suggestion. And 
idea that we could definitely implement and pretty pretty easily implement it here in New Braunfels too if we needed to. If we wanted yeah, to. you really could. And I know that um, the fire department already does a lot. And I know it sounds like, oh, you're just putting something else on their plate. I know there's probably a councilman or two that would go, I, I just can't do this. I, I don't have the, mm. you know, I can't do it. I, I don't, but I know firemen really, firefighters in general, they have that giving spirit and, you know, they, they want to give back to their community. They give a lot, but they do enjoy for the most part and they're not forced to do this. It would be right. ones that would, you know, the ones that want to do it, they would make themselves known and they would mm. do it, you know? Yeah, right. So um, they're not forced to do it. Right. And it's, it's one of those things too. It's not, um, I lost my train of thought. It's not a, uh, the, it wouldn't be every shift either. You right. Know, it just it be wouldn't a, be every shift. And even if those, that's what I was saying, even if those students decided not to become a firefighter, what a great way to have them just have a mentor in the city to kind of look up to and to, to get through those high school years. Correct. With. So, yep. That's awesome. I like that idea. Love it. So, all right. Well, I'm going to jump over to um, our streets. And I know streets are a very costly thing here in New Braunfels. And we spend hundreds of millions of dollars, and I exaggerate these days, to build How much was our bond? I know, How right? How much was our bond for streets? It's like $98 million something, something. Yeah. Yeah. So we spend a lot of money on streets. And my whole thing is, how can we make our streets safer without spending a ton of money on that? And I want to talk about and just kind of float the idea is when I have lived in other areas, I would see street sweepers clean the streets. So you could actually see the lines a lot more visible, um, just getting debris off the roads, making the roads safer so you're not having rocks fly at your car all the time. And these street sweepers would just have their routine. They have, I don't know, even if you just had one street swept once per year, I think it would make a huge difference. Now, a lot of people are Do asking. Do we not have any? Do we not have any? I don't believe we have any in New Braunfels. I have never seen one. I think we have contracted them as contractors before in New Braunfels, but I don't think we actually have any street sweepers. Because I think I, I could almost swear that my street gets cleaned every once in a while. It must be a contractor. Well, you must live in one of those nice neighborhoods. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. I have not, like I said, I think it's a great thing, especially on the main arter, the main roads in New Braunfels, just to have that going, getting done where the lines, because there's so many times I'm driving and you can't even, you're just like flowing, you're just like following the flow of cars, just hoping you're in the right lane. And yeah. it's, it's just such a, uh, such a danger sometimes when you can't see the lines on the roads. So the cost of these is not necessarily cheap, but it's not necessarily expensive either. So um, the initial cost for a new street sweeper, which most people say when I was researching is you want to keep them on a six-year cycle, meaning that you keep the street sweeper for about six years and you retire it. Um, but they range between like 250000 to, you can get the the Rolls Royce of street sweepers for like $400,000. So, but in yeah. a city sense, that's not like a huge price tag. I mean, that's a whole lot cheaper than a, than a fire truck. You know what, I type, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? So- yeah. And a six-year rotation is not horrible. So there's some cities that have done it, and basically their overall cost per year, and I came across this, there's quite a bit of cities from the Minnesota area, 
like Bloomington has a population of $89,000 and they spend about $850,000 total on their, uh, they have a total of four different sweepers they use. So, and it ranges, I mean, there's other cities that there's smaller cities that have just like one sweeper. And like I said, the city of uh, Fridley is spending about $225,000 per year. And that's for one sweeper and basically one employee to kind of manage that sweeper. Well, this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I used to live in a state that had the street sweepers and you could not do street parking on the day that they were going to to do the street cleaning. Mm -hmm. And if you did, there was a meter person who went before the street cleaner um, and she wrote tickets and uh, you would hear that street cleaner coming in your sleep. They would start at six o'clock in the morning. Mm. You would bolt upright out of a dead sleep and you would run out to the street because most yeah. people parked in mm. front of their house and you would run out. It was like you couldn't park there for a two hour period window, you know, yeah. and um, you would run out and you would make sure your car was not there. But that's a good way to pay for the uh, street cleaner itself. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it would pay for it pretty quickly. You know how much our city loves an extra income like that, too. So <laughs> Yes, so uh, very, yes, it does. They don't tow, but they do ticket. Mm -hmm. And um, and you would see the street cleaner go around the, you know, you could see it on the street, the marking yeah. where it would clean around yeah. the car. But um, yes, so, but the streets were always very clean, so. Yeah. So yeah, it's a but, good idea. Yeah, that's kind of my big idea for streets. And I'm, we're kind of looking at things that aren't going to cost us a huge arm and a leg. Yes, there's going to be some cost to the things we're talking about today. Um, but we're trying to keep it somewhat minimal. At least that you was mean my idea. mean they don't idea. have to be on a bond? They don't have to no, be on a bond? No, no, no more bonds. No more debt for, no. for our city. Let's stop no, that. It's nonsense. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, street sweeper, let's bring it here to New Braunfels. And we can, we can like make it fun. We can give the, the street sweeper a name or something crazy like that. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. But that's what I have. What else do you have, Nicole? I like that. Um, well, I'm on a first responder uh, kick. And, you know, in New Braunfels, we always need more officers and police officers. So mm -hmm. I, I um, also think, and this is probably not going to be very popular with some of the police officers we have here, although it might be uh, just because uh, since we've had a lot of officers um, with, you know, we don't have a, a whole full recruitment going right now, even though mm -hmm. we are trying. Uh, I think we should have a reserve police officer program. I, I think that it would cut down on a lot of um, the expense. And I don't think we should, we don't, we necessarily don't have to have them all year long. Uh, I, there are a lot of successful cities in Texas that have them. As a matter of fact, uh, they're all over the United States. About a third of the police agencies in the United States uh, of law enforcement agencies actually use reserve police officers. And there's quite a few in Texas that actually use them. And there's a lot right around us that use them. Um, they are utilized in, in paid part-time roles, and I think they would be great, especially during our tourist seasons. Um, and I know that a lot of the officers uh, use overtime, and I hate the thought of taking that away from them. But I know that a lot of them are also exhausted. Uh, so um, I think that some of them would be okay with that, mm -hmm. you know, somewhat. Uh, but the biggest expense of any 
department um, is the benefits of retirement and the insurance and everything else. And we know with Rizzo, we could, you know, as far as standing at the end of the river and, you know, having them there um, and, you know, directing the, the people coming off the river, you know, stopping traffic and, you know, during that mess so that it would free up our officers to do more traffic citations. And we know how people drive. I mean, mm -hmm. traffic is out of control here. And uh, I think people, you know, run red lights and there's a lot of accidents. There's a lot of crime that our, our police officers don't even get to, to even get to because they are shorthanded. Right. And um, so a lot of the arguments though, are that the, um, it, the cities don't like to do it because they think that it impedes the ability of these our agencies to secure the necessary budget funding from the cities if they use these reserve officers. But that's being proven not to be the case. And they have a lot of successful reserve programs like in Dallas, they use reserves and they still get the the. Uh, funding and budgeting that they need. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, which has a very successful reserve program, Orange County, California, um, the Sheriff's Department, Washington, D.C. has a reserve police, and Florida Highway Patrol has auxiliary. Um, also, when you have a reserve program, um, you they still have to have the training that um, your state still has to, has laws. They still have to have the same training. It's the, they're not just, you know, having some, you know, some crazy person out there that they're handing a gun and they don't, they're not trained. So they're, they are still trained police officers. Um, you can mandate how much training they have to have. You can um, require them to have um, a field training officer train them um, when they come on to your department. Mm -hmm. You can have them have mandatory meetings every month and, uh, you know, so that they are, you feel comfortable with the training that they have. Uh, so, I mean, it, there's all good things about it. Um, it, it increases, it increases overall community relationships. There's mm -hmm. a lot of financial benefits to it. Um, it's, it gives the capability to supplement the police units that we do have that are experienced in our area, um, with our well-trained personnel and the ability to call on these reserves, um, in case of bad weather, um, when our tourists are here in case of any man-made problems like big disasters or, you know, God forbid any kind of, you know, bombings or anything mm -hmm. that, you know, might crazy stuff that might go down. Um, so I, I do think that. It, it would be a very good, we are a good candidate for a program like that because we just need more officers. We need more bodies right. on the ground. We have more people than we have officers and we need people to see just the presence of officers. I think that would help tremendously just being on the I-35 corridor, just seeing them, you know, that have a presence of all these officers. No, so, I agree. I and and just to um, just to kind of make sure I understand this correctly is these reserve officers to kind of be put to the task of like those red light runners and those speeding tickets and river uh -huh. patrol. They wouldn't be like the ones that are doing these domestic dispute house calls. They kind of try to put them to the more the uh, the the mundane the thing, the basic stuff. Correct. Right. And they could they could do DUI task uh, you know task points or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh, my dog is saying hello. <laughs> and um, they they could do that. And they could also um, not only that, but they could uh, 
you could also use the city could also use um, retired uh, officers, the ones that have already retired from the force. Right. And the other good thing about it is um, it helps reserve officers decide if they want to go full time and they're already in the pool because of officers and they might go, oh, I, this is something I'm going to do full time. And they've already gone through this extensive background process. Right. So that's a that's a good thing. And then uh, the other thing is uh, the retired officers who retire, maybe they don't want to maybe they don't want to leave full time, but um, they want to retire and they can still work part time. And so they're familiar with the system and it, they're still a um, good beneficial you know person to have on the force. They still want to work a couple days a week. They're not ready to leave entirely. Right. So, right. you know, so it's a it's a win win situation all around. Plus, we could also have a um, senior citizen, and I'm not talking about 80-year-old people, but we could have a senior citizen, um, like a seniors on patrol to do things like traffic mitigation, accidents and things like that. Because a lot of cities have that as well, where mm -hmm. they t do reports at the counter, at the police department and things like that, that, that police officers are doing right now that they don't need to be doing right. um, because it just takes up their time and they could be doing other things. Um, that, you know, they're getting paid to do that regular citizens can't do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of citizen patrol programs and things like that, that the city could be doing besides just the reserve officer programs. And yeah. that's a strictly volunteer thing. No, I, I, so. I love that idea. I think it's a great idea. And I think we've, uh, it would be something that would be a huge benefit to New Braunfels, especially during the, uh, the summer months when we're having so much extra patrol that's actually on the river. So, Right. So, well, Nicole, we talked about we we covered a little bit a of roads, but the street sweepers. We covered kind of parks and rec. Uh, we covered our fire department, and we covered police officers. Do you have anything else you think we could uh, we could do? Uh, I don't have. I'm trying to think of other things. This is kind of an on the fly podcast tonight, so we're just kind of trying to to bounce ideas and look at different things. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Well. I do think that, um, like I said, just having the um, the older people, you know, um, helping out with the the uh, like citizens on patrol. I think that's a good idea that goes hand in hand with the reserve officers. Mm. That's a um, that. And um, one thing that I think that we should probably also start talking about at some point is getting our own humane society. I, we've kind of touched on that before, too. That's going to cost money. But um we, I definitely think that uh, that's something that our city needs on its own uh, instead of contracting the services out. I think we're big enough to have our own humane society, and um, we should definitely have those conversations with the city. So but no, that's, that's not a, a cost-saving one. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point to make, and I know there's a, there's benefits, and we I think it'd be fun to dive into that another 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 show just to kind of look at other cities yeah. that have what what they have done and who has them who doesn't who contracts who doesn't contract out and basically kind mm -hmm. of the uh the pros and cons of each of that so obviously we're at a hundred and what twenty five thirty thousand people now and we're we're mm -hmm. a big city we're a big city we really are so uh, is having a a small um kind of University, a city university, but something that is uh, beneficial for um, adults and maybe high school age kids to learn about uh, civics and how to to register to vote, how to find their their councilman, how mm -hmm. to 
figure out when our elections are and things like that, because that seems to be very lacking in this um, area. Yeah, and I and I will say this: I think the City University program is a good program, but is a it is a time intensive program. I think it's what. 13, 14 weeks long or something of that nature. I, don't, I may be off on that, but I know it's I know it's a few months long. Um, I and think it's not for great. everybody. No, it's not. I mean, uh, I had I tried to get in for two years in a row, and it was just full every time you went. Anytime you went, because you had to be referred by someone. They had to, they can only take so many people from each district, and there's quite a few different parameters that you get in. I think it'd be great to kind of just have more like a one or a one day crash course or four hour crash course on what the city does and how it operates. You know, maybe like a two, like a two week, one night, uh, um, you know, hour long, like a two hour long thing, one night, um, a week thing that goes mm-hmm. over the city website, you know, how to, how to go through the city website and then how to find out the, you know, how to go over the agenda, how to, a city council meeting, how city council meetings run mm-hmm. and um, how things are, um, you know, how to find out things in your area, like about the 20% and what forces a majority super vote right. and how you can come in and what citizens communication is and what consent items are, what consent agenda items are, um, how to pull something off of a consent agenda that you're, you're, you can do that, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then that ours is a charter city, just things like that. Like mm-hmm. when our elections are, who your district, right. um, you know, I think that would be great. Yeah. Cause I guarantee you probably, um, probably 95% of people who drive by one of those little zoning change signs have no idea what it means or how to look it up or to find out what's going on. They probably there. don't even know it has anything to do with our city. Yeah. They, they may think, Oh, it's they, just a I construction mean, they, yeah. thing or something, something of that nature. Um, I think it'd be yep. great for people to actually learn that and know how to do that and know, know how to navigate the website and everything you need to know about our city. And there wouldn't be, there wouldn't even have to be a limit on the people. You could do 60 people at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, 60, 70 people and it, you know, it wouldn't matter. You could put so many people through that and run it a couple of times a month. Yeah. Yeah. And our city has meeting space for that. We have meeting space at city hall that could easily accommodate that. So. You could even do it at the police station. Yeah, yeah. whatever, because they have yeah. big rooms there. No, absolutely. So, well, I love it. So, well, we are just about out of time here, but we just want to thank you guys for kind of listening to us and our opinions, I guess you could say, what we think would be good for the city to kind of look into. Uh, we always... And if uh, there's something yeah. if there's something you guys um, think and you have some ideas and you'd like us to do some research on it or something like that, you know, send us an email. Yeah. Yeah. Send us an email, drop us a, a line on our uh, social media pages, whatever's easiest for you guys. We'll be glad to hear you guys out and kind of say, Hey, what do you want us to talk about? What do you want us to dive into? We can, uh, we have a lot of resources that we can uh, dive into. So definitely, um, but you can always say, stay up to date on our podcast, follow us on Apple podcasts. We're on Spotify, Google podcasts, give us a like on Facebook, or if you want that good old fashioned email, just uh, click in the show notes below get the email going and we'll send you an email every time a new show comes out. So, uh, but without further ado, that is our show tonight. Happy new year, everybody. Yeah. Happy new year. You guys have a great rest of your day. Bye.